ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 139, Why You Should Build Something That You Own. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Hey, Sandy, co-host and co-founder and co-collaborator in all that is business All the co-things. All the co-things. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about ownership. And this was really a podcast inspired by a recent Seth Godin post. And if you don't read Seth's blog, it's just seths.blog on the internet. If you Google Seth, you'll find Seth Godin. We highly recommend it. He is basically... Uh, the gospel for all things uh, business in our little world. And this, I mean, like I'd say two or three a week, two or three of his blog posts, because he also has consistently been blogging every day for more than a dozen years, I think at this point. I mean, he's so prolific and his blog is short and you should subscribe and read it every day because it'll give you a real dose of truth, not always um, feel good truth. Often some there's some tough love in those posts, but if you're building a business, online or offline, it's invaluable to read his words. And this post is really about uh, taking ownership in your life by building something that you actually own. So building an asset or something that you retain ownership in. And I think that I, Jenny, am just wired to always want that. Like I can't imagine doing work and not owning it. But I know that there's a lot of people who, like my mom, who doesn't have a does not think like that. And so I, this is a really good reminder to all of you to like sort of take stock and like, what do you actually own? And Jenny, I'd like you to go on a rant about how today's economy is changing and why you think that everyone should jump into entrepreneurship. Okay. Well, let me just read. There's one quote in this post that I think that really sets the tone for this conversation. And Seth says, or Seth writes, if you own nothing but the next eight hours of your time for sale to the highest bidder, you may be disappointed in the bids you get. Oh, that just struck me. Like, I want to go get that tattooed on my forearm. I mean, I'm honest here. Like, that is the exact truth that I think we all need to hear. And I mean, the reality is, we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast over the last couple of years, but the economy is shifting. We don't have a Western economy anymore that 
provides you with a job for the next 30 years of your life. That's the old model. There are very few positions and very few jobs available that are going to provide any real sense of security. Um, I think it's all, to be honest, false security at this point. Businesses, the way our economy is structured, the way that growth-driven capitalism works is that you grow, 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 grow fast until collapse. I mean, if you look at anything, look at what's happening to malls. Look what's I I, I uh, spent most of my adult life in Seattle and Nordstrom is based in Seattle. If you're in the US, you know about Nordstrom. It's a really big player in the retail space and in the mall space for, for sort of kind of uh higher, like more nice malls. <laughs> you higher end. And higher end, yeah. I'm kind of it's like a malls. Like this is that this is when like, you when you say Sandy, what the hell are you talking about? But like there's like a malls and then there's b malls and then there's c malls. Nordstrom is always in the a malls. Yeah. Well, in this hometown of Nordstrom, they just closed down not their flagship store, but their satellite store in North Seattle. And um, like all of the major like Macy's closed right before them. And I mean, like I think JC Penney's was there and they closed. And now I heard they're coming back with, with used clothing. Uh, who knows? But essentially like this old model that we many of us grew up in or or thought would exist where you have these big kind of brands and those the jobs with those brands are safe like that doesn't exist anymore the economy is shifting so much because of the internet because of technology because of how easy it is to travel because of how easy it is to work and live on the run and just like there's no such thing as long term stability like that doesn't exist anymore your safety and stability comes from being dynamic and adaptable and so because of this if you only own your time as Seth says, for sale to the highest bidder, you're con- like you really have no control over your life. Like you, you, like there's very little that you get to decide. Increasingly so, and even when you're working for someone else, it doesn't provide the same kind of safety net and security that it once did. And I, I think we all know this and feel this, right? And maybe you Canadians, Sandy, feel a little differently because your healthcare is public, mm-hmm. and you have school, like college is public and 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 paid for, and there are things Mm-mm. you well. I thought you don't no, have to pay for no. univer. Yeah, you, you have to pay for, for univer. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. oh yeah. How much? I don't know. Lots. God, I thought it that was, was free. No, 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 no. You got to pay, even if you're a citizen. Yeah. Gosh, I know people who are like sending their who are like Canadian citizen part whatever two dual citizens, and they send their kids to Canada for college because it's free. Whatever. It's not but free. Not, okay, it's not free. It's maybe cheaper. It's maybe forty grand a year. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It's up there, okay. but yeah. Anyway. Well, aside, okay, so so maybe Canada's not the bright shining star I thought it once was. <laughs> not <Sandy>. quite. <laughs> Nevertheless, we don't live in a world where you can go to school, be good at something, learn a skill, and then have a job that's safe with the rest of your life for the rest of your life with a pension and healthcare. Like that's the old way. And so because of that, even if you choose to work for someone else, you're still essentially kind of always hustling and trying to uh, make sure that you know, your the next paycheck is going to come through and that you're going to have some kind of s- stability. And because of that, this quote and this article from Seth is critically important because even though having a job and working for someone else is a reality that a lot of us have to take on, 
I still am a huge proponent of having something that you own, at least on the side. Mm -hmm. And we don't live in a world anymore, in my mind, where you wouldn't want to have that. I mean, I have a seven-year-old. And when she was five, I built a business for her to be able to have, right? Like a small local farmer's market-based business. Because it's so important to me that my daughter learns entrepreneurship and that she has that kind of self-sufficiency built into her, baked into her while she's going to school and learning the sort of more traditional reading and writing and the skills that she needs to learn, I guess, if she wanted to participate in the old version of society, you know, like working for someone else and rules and standing in line and all of that. She's also learning how to own something and run something and have creative control and be able to have what comes in be based on how hard you work. And that's absolutely critical, I think, for all of us to take on, not just only for our kids, but for ourselves. You know, Jenny, I was at a friend's house this weekend and I met her niece for the first time and I've heard about her for her whole life. And I finally actually met her and she's just graduating university here, which she had to pay for. And she is taking business. And I was like, oh, what do you want to do with your business degree? And she said, I'm going to work, I'm going to look into being a property manager. And my heart just kind of sunk a little bit because I was like, you went to get a business degree and you want to work for somebody else? And it was just, and I mean, of course, I'm going to say anything and maybe that's her dream job and, you know, go for it. But in in my mind, it was like, oh, I think you should own your own business. I think everybody should own their own business. And we, our audience that we mainly talk to are people who have an expertise in something. And we really want you to own something, create something and own it and control it and and take back that control, take back the, the choices and the decisions and make something of it. And we were talking just before we started recording about this idea of an asset. And I really like to think about an asset as something that you own that you can make money from. Like in the beginning, it may be just you. You are your asset of your business. You're the one who's doing the coaching or the recording or the teaching or whatever. So you're the asset. But as you go along with your business, whether it's your main thing or a side hustle, you start to build these things that you own and that you have. So it's not only like manufacturing equipment and your house and your car and your computer. It is like your intellectual assets that um, you own and can use forevermore. So I, I like to, you know, I was thinking about our, our some of our teachers on Namastream who have, let's say, like a membership and they've got maybe a bank of, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 videos. Those are assets and they can you know, right now they're running a membership, but let's say that life changes or something changes and they want to stop that membership. They still have these videos that they can now repurpose into a course or into a giveaway or into social or whatever, right? And I think it's really kind of cool that you do all this work up front and you're creating something that you can use multiple ways for many years to come. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Yeah, you know, and I think it's more than just something you can sell. I think at this point, assets like our reputation is as an asset, for example, 
our story is an asset. I remember knowing this when I was really young and I wanted to have such an interesting story. I felt like it would be important to me later in life to have an interesting story. And I remember it like, you know, being out in the middle of the night in Barcelona or doing, you know, like I just have all these memories being very young and making choices, not always the best choice that I would make now, but making a lot of choices to choose adventure or being in Cambodia and deciding to get on a helicopter to go with a film crew to film deforestation, knowing that it maybe wasn't the safest choice at the time, but knowing that the story would be invaluable to talk about as we're tracking this kind of last stand of Asian elephants in this part of Cambodia and being in this helicopter and having just like this, I, I chose to collect moments because I felt I sort of intuitively knew that having a story would be an asset for me later in my life. I wanted to have an interesting story. It was really important to me. And so I put that above and beyond other things. And so when you're thinking about building assets, obviously building business assets, building, like you said, maybe it's tools and machinery, maybe it's content for a course, maybe it's a it's um, a collection of teachings that you're turning into a book or a TED Talk who knows? Hopefully a bunch of those things. But the the bottom line is that you own it. Nobody can take it away from you. And that's really when you know you have an asset. Otherwise, like, what do you have? Like, you're a laborer, right? And I can go on and on. I don't know how deep we want to get into capitalism and, and my view of Marxism, which is not... Marxism is imperfect. But I think it's worth thinking about if you... I mean, because I, I really think that's where... This post was inspired for Seth. Who knows? I don't know, but I would guess Marxism played into this. And when you think about it, my interpretation of Marxism in a really broad stroke view, I mean, so those of you who want to criticize what I'm going to say, you can, but if this is just broad brush stroke, right? Just to understand the concept. The idea is that the only time that sort of the working class, the laborers are benefiting in society is when there's massive growth going on economically, society-wide. Like people who are the owning class, people who own a lot of property or and have a lot of assets and a lot of power and control, they can actually benefit even in economic downturns, which we all know to be true. Like think about the president of the United States, for example. So there are a lot of examples of people who have certain assets benefiting even in times of hardship for the broader public. But the laboring class, the working class, the only time they're capable of benefiting financially and economically is during a massive growth spurt of the economy. And during that time, that growth happens on the backs of their labor. So they actually don't really benefit, right? Because typically they're either you know overworked used to be manual labor, right? Like it, you would kill somebody because you worked them so hard. This is pre-labor movement. And now we do the same thing with like white collar work, right? And and computer work. Like everyone is on demand seven days a week, 24 hours a day, tethered to email and Slack and whatever else. And we're doing the same thing to the laboring class and the working class. And maybe they make decent money, but and maybe the economy has been growing for the last whatever, seven years, six years, but it's on the backs of sort of their sanity and their their health and well-being, whether it's emotional health or physical health or, or both. And I really believe this. Like, I, I believe this to be true, that when you are a laborer and you are reliant on someone else for your sustenance, that it's a losing game. The only time that works to me is for short-term opportunity to go learn a skill, to master something, to get some experience and some expertise. And then you darn well better take that and go and apply it to something that you own. 
fabulous. I love it. I love it. I Is love that it. the rant you want to rant? That's the rant. Oh, yeah. man. I don't know what kind of comments we're going to get about me going off on Marxism. And I'm, and I just want to reiterate that I am absolutely oversimplifying it. But that's the gist of it, right? And if you don't own something, what do you really have other than the next eight hours of your life? And to me, if that's all you have to trade for survival or for economic benefit, that is a really sad predicament mm-hmm. to be in. And I think that we don't think about this. Like, we don't think about what it means to participate in society as an economic animal. Like, we we have TV and we have blogs and we have social media. We have all these things around distracting us from actually thinking about the true reality of the economic system that we live in. And Sandy, you and I are female entrepreneurs. We are encouraging other women and people who have been historically underrepresented from building businesses because this is the pathway out of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is the only pathway I know out of that predicament. This is the only way. And I don't want my child to inherit a reality where she's forced to trade her life experience for labor, whether it's physical labor or intellectual labor. And so I'm going to damn well do everything I can do to prevent her from being in that situation and to prevent myself from being in that situation. And I can hear the people going, yes, I agree. I agree. But I'm not an entrepreneur, or I'd, and they're going to come up with all these excuses. Like I want assets, I want this business, I want to own things. But I can just hear people going, but, 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 but. And I just want to say that think all of you are absolutely capable of creating something that you own, of creating a business, starting small, and you just like today is the day to start that. It's not like when this happens or when you're ready or in this different circumstance in the future. It's right now. And the sooner that you get started to create some of these assets, assets, the more momentum you get You get sooner, right? You're going to reach that goal and you never actually end up at your goal. But it's like, you just keep going, you just keep going, but you've got to start. And every single one of you can choose to make this change in your life and can figure out what you need to figure out and change your attitude and set up your space and find some time and do the work and create something so that you're not stuck in a situation that Jenny just described. Well, and if you have time to listen to this podcast, right, because that's who we're speaking to right now, then you have time to go and take an hour today and start to work on building your asset. And this is just like compound interest on money in the bank. I mean, you don't need to put aside a tremendous amount of money every month to start to build a nest egg. And I mean, I... I I'm using this example because like we often understand the concept of compound interest, like at least sort of, but I don't actually believe in the system, right? So I don't <laughs> I don't believe that putting a quarter a day away forever is gonna be safe for me because I don't trust the system to stay intact. That's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. I really believe the only thing I can trust is my own work, my own effort and the community that I invest in gathering around me. That like that's what I trust. I don't trust the bigger systems. And so If you have the time to listen to this show, and if you have the time to even be thinking about online business or entrepreneurship, you have the time to start taking small steps every day to build a business and to build a set of assets that you own. And I encourage you to do so even if you're not going to reach your end goal for years and years. Like starting now is the only way that you're ever going to get there. Absolutely. That's great. I love it. All right. Do you want to move into Joy and Hustle? Let's do it. Let's go ahead and start with the joy. Okay. I have the joy. I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm going to do it. So I have been obsessed with skincare lately, and I um, started using this little tool called the Forio, and it takes everything in my power not to say Marie Forleo. It's Forio without the L. 
And it's called the Luna Mini 2. And it's this like exfoliator that I use every night. It's made of silicone and it just cleans your face so, so, so amazing. And it made such a difference. And I can't imagine not using it ever, ever again. So I just thought we'd make it a joy. Yeah, I don't have this tool. I'm a little intrigued by it. And it's little silicone fingers that it seems to have like little bulbies on it. <laughs> little knobs. But I have used, uh, what's the other one that has like the little brush? Yeah, the Clarisonic. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, I've used oh yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. The, that one forever. But I apparently those things are just filled with bacteria. You cannot. Oh God! Clean. Don't talk about. Don't don't say that. Don't talk filled about that. Bacteria. I don't want to talk about that. Filled ever again. with bacteria. <laughs> Sandy is so mean. You can clean it. You can clean it. I use I boiling do, water. Well, I clean that one. I don't know. I'm just telling you. I'm just right. telling you. you know, what I and heard. you buy replacements for it, which feels actually very wasteful. So this thing sounds maybe less wasteful. Yeah. Although yeah. buying a new thing is more wasteful than using wasteful, an old yeah. thing. So Yeah, you can battle that out in your own mind, which skin exfoliator you choose. But I, I love I love this little tool. I love that we're talking about like high-end skincare <laughs> on this, in the same episode that we're we talking about Marxism. Like Marxism. God, it's like, well, you know what? This is life, right? This is being like a modern woman and, and having like conundrums that we face and complexities. And that's just the reality of it. Oh my God. You can so use funny. a Clarisonic and a Foreo skincare tool and also talk about Marxism. There, you have it. Okay, and the hustle, right, hustle for this week is our Beta Launch Lab checklist. We are launching Beta Launch Lab in early October to the public for the very first time. We're so excited. It's the best course and program we've ever created in my mind to help you get from nowhere to a launched course or program and ownership with paying clients like in basically a month. And so um, if you're just wanting to start to dive into this idea of online business and you're ready to create your first thing, or if you've been playing around it for the, in the pool for a while and have yet to build an asset or, or build something that people have paid for, we encourage you to uh, come to betalaunchlab.com and download the checklist. You'll also get notified when the course goes live and we will be doing a live program with our first crew going through this fall. So it should be really fun. Anyway, go ahead and um, stay tuned for more about that and we will see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.